won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Citizen Civs. You've tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 76 and was recorded on June 12th and made available for download June 16th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And unfortunately, our resident Brit has managed to handcuff himself to a badger and can't be with us this evening. So we found someone else almost as handsome to replace him. And I'm Jace. What do we have this week, Jace? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we lay down some space law. In CIG News, we bring you our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Designers Episode 4, Reverse the Verse Episode 50, and some sexy Vandal glamour shots. It's radio, I know, but trust us, they're sexy. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we crack a few jokes. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of a buck twenty-five per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole four days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. Thanks to everybody who's already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, 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 this is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everybody. You may not know this, but something is celebrating a very special birthday this year. It's not the moon landing, it's not the first powered flight, it's not the end of the Napoleonic Wars in Europe. Well, okay, actually, it is the 200th anniversary of that, but, 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 but this year, celebrating its 800th birthday is the rule of law. Yeah, that's right. The Magna Carta is celebrating its octocentennial all year long, with nerdy, wonky exhibits and dusty and boring museums all around the globe. But about 50 years ago, this protest letter to King John inspired a British aviation lawyer to start writing the law for the final frontier. In 1966, William A. Hyman published The Magna Carta of Space, an illustrated treatise on what sort of rules we should all live by out in the deep black. Given the world he lived in, there's no surprise that the recurring theme of the book is, please leave the nuclear missiles at home, okay thanks? However, he did tackle some of the other questions, like, do aliens have legal rights? Who owns the stars, planets, and moons? Where does space begin and a nation's airspace end? What's the role of private industry in space? and who will allocate radio frequencies and set standard time. Hyman's book was so well received at the time, its influence was profoundly felt when the UN passed its Treaty on the Principles Governing the Activities of States and the Exploration and Use of Outer Space, including the Moon and other celestial bodies. As an aspirational document, the Outer Space Treaty is really second to none, declaring that space is to be used for the benefit of all mankind. As a practical matter, it leaves some things like territory and legal jurisdiction slightly mm, unaddressed. So as we build our little model verse and populate it with advocacy agents and naval JAG officers, take a minute and wish a happy 800th birthday to the parchment that made it possible. So we've gone from 800 years old to, you know, please don't tax me so much, uh, Mr. Feudal King, to what kind of missiles are we actually going to let people carry up there? Short answer right now is none, but apparently it's not going to stop us a thousand years from now. 
clearly. I, I think it's interesting that this is what you chose, Mr. Law Dog. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was a little biased, of course. But I think, you know, we're, we are talking about cops and robbers and people getting stunned as a punishment for, you know, attempted assassinations and prison breaks and that kind of thing. I mean, right now what we have is a 50-year-old document that's basically a really hippie sort of document. The space is to be used for the benefit of all. Nobody gets to claim anything on the moon. You know, you can't plant a flag there and, and claim it for your country. But that really gets away from some of the practicalities of... How exactly are you going to divide that stuff up once we're able to reach it on a regular basis? Especially with the UEE sort of having that Roman Republic or Fall of Rome feel, depending on how you spin it. Yeah. Have you ever uh, read Heinlein? Robert Heinlein? I've read some of it, yeah. You ever read a short story, The Man Who Owned the Moon? No, I haven't read that one. The premise goes that when you bought a piece of property, everything below you and everything above you, out into ad infinitum item, was part of that property. I, it might be old property laws back in when he... No, no, no that, that's actually in current use today. That's called the Ad Salem Doctrine. That's actually, yeah, no, that's, that's still used in property law today. The protagonist in this short story bought all the property in the path of where the moon orbited. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in effect, did he own the moon? That's beautiful. Well, actually, I mean, that is that is an old Roman law that is given effect through English common law, which in the United States is still the basic doctrine for when you when you take property. Now, of course, the Federal Aviation Administration claims jurisdiction over the airspace, and you can do weird things with minerals that are found underground now, and that's what I do for most of my working day. But that's that that's still good law essentially. And when you buy a piece of property, just just take it out into the into space. That's a funny story. I gotta go, I gotta go look that one up. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for June 12, 2015, 84050000 another milestone breached, and 250000 additional dollars in the pockets of the developers. Star Citizens now number 909000 up 3000 from last week, and the UEE has grown by a paltry 2,000 ships. Oh man, guys, it's almost as if they haven't released a ship this week. Sad, ain't it? Chris is still in the UK, so once again we're treated to an episode of 10 for the Designers. In this week's episode, Matt Sherman and Calix Reno give us all the answers we're dying to hear. As always, there's lots of good info in these shows, so we do encourage you to check them out, but a couple of things did pique our interest. Hot on the heels of some listener feedback, Citizen Scoripanda asks if we can expect any big changes to the small ship flight model, or if it's quote-unquote almost complete. And Calix says that the current flight model for small ships is decently representative of the gameplay thereafter. However, as the ships scale up, their flight model will change. While small ships are World War II dogfighters in space, capital ships will play out more like submarine battles. Matt reinforces this by saying it'll be really noticeable in multi-crew. Right now, all we have are speedboats, but the multi-crew will bring us bigger ships, and those in more plotting boats might want to try and do a broadside attack. We talked a little bit about this last week where it was a discussion with the physics programmer and how they were going to try to move it more towards a waypoint navigation system for the larger ships. But I still want to be able to roll the ship or, or, or yaw it or something so that I can put a good shield facing towards the bad guys or, you know, like they're saying here, you know, turn to broadside. 
and then maybe turn 180 degrees on my central axis and broadside the other set of weapons on the on the other side of the ship. So I hope they still let us do a little bit of, you know, stick and throttle on this. I think we will be able to, not not so much stick and throttle as, as probably uh, WSD, but right. it'll probably be slow or not as speedy as our speedboats are. And maybe they've got a different kind of control scheme up their sleeves for it too. That'd be interesting to see them innovate like that, you know, you know, a real a real space interface for how you want to position your ship's weapons and, and orient your, your vessel in space according to you know an attack vector or some sort of fixed reference points. It's funny that he mentioned submarines because you know they're piloted by a yoke. That's right. Good point. Maybe maybe they will be doing maybe maybe we all are we all gonna have to buy the those Cessna yokes that they've got uh, from uh SciTech. Yeah. Thro- yes, from C yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the Star Citizen joystick. That's what that I was we're just going to say. On. That's what we're going to get instead of the Hodas. That's right. We're going to get we're going to get a submarine yoke. Perfect. Yes, fantastic. That also is very interesting too, because a huge part of submarine battles, of course, is stealth, evading detection, or confusing enemy sensors with decoys and countermeasures. E war, bring us the E war. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but but also submarines don't have shields and port side guns, and I. I I think a different analogy would be a uh, tall ship battle, like in the days of Admiral Nelson. That, to me, sounds more like what's going to be happening in space. I I think the submarine reference is kind of... I don't know. We've seen tall ships in space a lot, right? And, you know, go ahead and yell at me for making this comparison here, but Revenge of the Sith, right? That opening sequence in Revenge of the Sith, where you see those cruisers, like, you know, passing within meters of each other. And, you know, like people blowing each other away with manually aimed cannons. I don't see that in space at all, right? Even World War II dogfighters in space is a little bit of a stretch, right? Just for gameplay purposes. Tall ships, eye to eye, cannon to cannon is a really big stretch for what a space battle is going to be like. I'm kind of hoping that they do more of a submarine thing where even locking on weapons to the other capital ship is a bit of a chore because there's so much electronic warfare, you know, like, like Jay said, the E-War. There's so much interference going on from just the raw amount of you know electromagnetic weirdness the ship can put out. I'm hoping that's a bigger part of the gameplay. So, you know, these capital ships are not going to be, you know, rolling my... Well, you still have to roll that mass. I mean... It's going to take incredible power. I mean, if I if I envision these cap ships, I'm not talking about the Connie. I mean, no. the Connie should be pretty nimble compared to some of the larger, you know, cap ships. But it's still going to be torpedo warfare. I mean, I can see these. I can see big torpedoes on these ships and and lining up for a shot or and the electronic countermeasures, as you said. Can you out jam them and get your torpedoes through? Well, I kind—I mean, I kind of like that idea because it gives a reason to need fighters, right? If you have to get within visual range to really have a reliable chance of hitting it with weapons or to burn through the jamming that's going on, it all of a sudden gives you a reason to get up close and personal in a fighter and a reason to risk your individual pilots' lives when really it should be a suicide mission, you know, for the most part, going up against a large capital ship in a, in a tiny little fighter like that. It would also give a reason for the capital ships to close within visual range of each other in order to just, you know, burn through the raw amount of electronic data that goes on. So I, I think I would like to see them take the submarine angle rather than the tall ship angle. Just because the tall ship angle, we've seen that in Star Trek, we saw it in Star Wars. It's in virtually every sort of -of run-of-the-mill space combat 
scenario. I'm look I, just like they're trying to innovate a little bit on the first-person shooter side. Just like they're trying to innovate a little bit on the space fighter combat side. I'd like to see them push the envelope a little bit on the capital ship stuff too. Yeah, I can't wait to fill my uh, my cap ship with gladiuses and wolf pack them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, but and you'd need to do that if they had to burn through jamming, right? That would be a thing they'd have to do. Right. The second thing that caught our attention was from Citizens Mazlow, who asked about the limits of the various seat roles. Calix lets us know that the first iteration of multi-crew, the seats will come preset with jobs. But in the future, the owner of the ship will be able to divvy up the roles and assign them to the seats. Want the guy on your left to be the gunner and the Rio? That will be doable. You'll be able to throw together your perfect workstation, trademark. Of course, there will no doubt be some restrictions. But overall, you'll be able to put together almost any combo you want. Kind of interesting. See, I'm looking forward to that because I have the Connie, and we know that most of the variants of the Connie are getting that extra plus one workstation, which should be interesting once you're able to customize it. I kind of wonder what they're going to slot in there default. I'm wondering when they're going to bring the upgrade to the Phoenix back so that I can get it completed. <laughs> <laughs> One thing at a time. I'm sure the hot tub will be a programmable seat assignment uh, all in good time, Jeff. You know, it'll be your, your chief recreation officer gets to sit in the hot tub while you go into combat. Perfect. One of the things I have been looking forward to doing is NPC assignments. And I know we're a ways off from that, right? But the seat assignments are going to be what lay the foundation for hiring your NPC crew. I'll go back to our lingua franca. Jace will be perfectly uh, at home with this. The DOFs were one of my favorite things about Star Trek Online. And I kind of equate the duty officer system with a very, very primitive version of what I hope the NPC hiring system will be, is that you have your ship configured the way you like it, and then you go into the NPC crewman market and find somebody with the skills that match how you have your ship set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to that aspect of the gameplay quite a bit. And I'm wondering if the NPC market will support these sort of customizable seat jobs or whether you'll have to sort of stick with the preset seat jobs in order to find NPCs that are a good match. Right, you might only be able to get the full benefit of some of the custom seats with another player. Yeah, maybe that's a way to incentivize crewing your ship with all humans. You know, you raise an interesting point, because some ships, like Akani, if you're flying solo, let's say an early iteration of multi-crew, you can probably lock most of those weapons forward, and you'll lose a little bit of effectiveness, but you can at least use them. But they've been touting the Retaliator as the darling of multi-crew, and that has turrets all over it and multiple different Mm -hmm. kinds of weapon systems. You're going to have to have other players when it first comes out, because NPCs won't be available, and there's no way you'll be able to control those turrets. Yeah, well, and you know, maybe it's like the uh, an analogy might be the first version of the of the FPS module is going to be PvP only, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get a bunch of people together to even get on the map. Right. It could be that the first uh, iteration of the multi crew module is going to be kind of the same way. If you want to fly one of these ships that has five crew positions because you have to operate the turrets, you better find five friends. Mm-hmm. So that, that could be maybe not a design goal, but it, it could be what they want to have happen in the early stages so they can test out that thing. What's that called? Oh, yeah, the net code yeah. that uh, is, is currently holding this, uh, this, this entire project a little bit hostage. Reverse the Verse Episode 50 is all grown up and been released out into the wild. Our resident Brit isn't here tonight, but we're all more than familiar with his favorite question. And it sounds like the audience of Reverse the Verse had similar questions. 
Aside from the obvious aforementioned missing module, a lot of people want to know what the knock-on effect this may have with the release of the social module. Ben lets us know that the modules are being worked on by different teams. They tie together, but they're different teams. FPS coming out won't affect the release for social. The team then goes on to say that the social module is a more interesting part of the development process. When it gets put out there, it's just a matter of when there's enough to be tested. It doesn't have to have a very set feature set like Arena Commander or Star Marine. If Star Social comes a week after FPS or a month after FPS, it'll have different things in it based on what they have time to get added in. Unfortunately, this will be one module that we know Jeff won't help test, not because of the lack of pew pew, but because he doesn't have any friends. Too true. Man, Lennon's kind of, he's snarky that one when he writes copy. Gets it right in there. Yeah, he really does. You have to get him back the next week, Jeff. You'll have to, you'll have to really zing him. You have to come up with some good British uh, jokes. I'll forget about it by then. You know, it's those senior moments uh. in life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting to me that the FPS thing is going to underlie everything. And while I'm sure that what Ben's statement is is true, that all the different modules are being worked on by different teams, that FPS module is the underbelly. It's the, it's the guts of the whole thing. And so while development on each individual module may be proceeding apace, we won't get our hands on those things until FPS works and works well enough to traverse the intertubes smoothly. Yeah, so it basically has to be that FPS comes out and is sufficiently tested that the netcode holds up, and then they can start figuring out if their build is ready or not for social. Hey, don't care about social. <laughs> Give me the FPS. <laughs> but that's where you'll have to go in order to buy the upgrades. Yeah, I mean, you'll need, you'll need to be social a little bit, Jeff. Sorry. Damn it all. <laughs> Maybe you can hire NPCs that socialize for you. Hey, there you go. Yeah, you're, those are, there should be ambassador NPCs. You know, deal with all these random people. Once again, I mean, I'll, I'll just repeat my call from last week. I mean, we understand that the beauty of the parallel development studios is that you hand out, you parcel out the job as much as possible, and a roadblock in one development stream isn't necessarily going to translate to roadblocks everywhere else. But when we're talking about the generic instance manager, which is supposed to hook people up all over the world, and the first-person mechanics, which is going to underlie everything. You know, we're, we're going to jump into an avatar in an online world, and the avatar is going to sit in the gray cat car. It's going to sit in the pilot seat. It's going to interact with a Moby Glass in the shop in the social module. I mean... This is a huge deal, and I would like to—I would like for someone to come out and tell us just exactly how huge of a deal this is. I would like a little more about where exactly what the dependencies are. Look, we hit this roadblock, and we're, or we're working as fast as we can to get this done. But here exactly are the knock-on effects that we're going to have with multi-crew. This is the knock-on effect we're having with social. This is the knock-on effect that we're having with the generic instance manager. This is the knock-on effect we're having with animations and mocap. This is the knock-on effect we're having with the Saddleball Arena. I mean, I'd like to see that. I know that's detailed, and I know it's a lot of work, and I know it's a little nosy, but I'd like to see that at some point, because they set a lot of expectations last year uh, with their rollout schedule, and clearly we can't do that anymore. Clearly that's not accurate anymore. So I'd like an update. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we're halfway through the year, and we haven't really seen any of the major releases yet, and it just seems impossible that we're going to get the majority of what was planned for this year, but we have no updated timeline. Still looking towards the future, some sits were asking what will happen in AC 3.0, the multi-crew module, when the pilot blacks out. So if you have passengers on board, will they also pass out? The short answer from Ben is yes. Physics is physics. Seems pretty straightforward. 
I mean, that's pretty straightforward. But that also plays into the NPC stuff. Unlike the Gladius or the or the small combat craft, where you turn on a dime, and so you're you're creating an incredible amount of G-force. I doubt that you're going to be able to. Well, I, I won't say doubt, but it'll be very difficult to spin a larger ship that fast to black out in a multi-crew. Ship. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you are on these larger ships. You are far away from the center of gravity. I mean, your pivot point is way the hell behind you on a Connie, right? You know, you're uh, where you're sitting up there perched at the nose of the ship and where the center of mass is thanks to all the engines and, and gear and power plants stuff being loaded into the back. You're way out there on the lever arm. And so th- that may be a great deal of vertical G-force that you're pulling when you're trying to get the nose of that ship to pivot around. Well, you might be creating your own gravity, that's for sure. Well, I mean, and again, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, we, that goes back to our very first t- discussions about why not just have an artificial gravity hood over you to, like, you know, counteract that. I mean, they may have to do some magical physics wizardry to make that happen so that a Connie does not have to just, you know, sort of take the slow boat to China if it's going to try to pitch up 90 degrees. You know, they may have to do some tinkering to make it fun rather than be completely physically accurate. Well, here's an idea, and I can see this playing out in in a hot situation, too. You have what they call flight safeties, right? Mm -hmm. So the computer will not allow the ship to go beyond a flight safety level. But in an emergency situation, you can say, computer, turn flight safeties off, and then you're you risk that blackout feature, but you also can turn faster or... Well, that's what they got. Know, I mean, that's the G-lock thing, right? That's the... Um, what is it? The It's the... it's the G-safe. G-safe. That's what it is, yeah. And that doesn't even work that well. It I, doesn't even really work because right. you still black out. Constantly. Right, right. Yeah, the M50. The M50, you can black out in a second. Maybe that's why I bring it up because maybe they should get that to work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, make that work because it doesn't. Because I black out all the time when I am 50. I mean, you yank back on that stick at the wrong time and man, you just get good night. You know, I can't black out in the Hornet. Right. In the Gladius, man, I am. Oh, it's just like I want to spin around to my next target and I'm like, oh, all right, I'm blacked out. Well, and, you know, and, and, and I just, you know, and actually this may kind of fit into my point with the Connie a little bit. I mean, if you just sort of think about where the cockpit is placed on the Hornet, it's close into the ball turret, right? Which is pretty much the center of mass. It's it's not it's not quite snuggled up against it, but it's it's back there. There's a bit of a nose on the Hornet, right? Right. But on the M50, those engines are really heavy in the back, and that cockpit is relatively far forward in the front. Same on the Gladius, right? The Gladius cockpit kind of sits up there towards the nose. The, the nose on the Gladius isn't very long, and the cockpit's right up there. So that may have something to do with those extreme blackouts and redouts that you get because the center of mass is pretty far back compared to where the cockpit is. So it's maybe a big problem when you get to things like the Connie and the Carrick and the, the well, maybe not, not so much the Caterpillar because I think the Caterpillar control stuff is farther back because they've got the big uh, cargo bay in the front. Yeah, it's about midsection on the left, right? You know, the Caterpillar may be the way that they, the, the, you know, maybe the way to go on some of these mid-sized ships if they want to be able to pivot quickly. So I don't know. It would be interesting for them to, to work that out. This week, we also faced down a Vandal invasion in the form of two Vandal ship updates. First, we were given a peek at the playable Scythe. Still a work in progress, but coming into Arena Commander alongside the Star Marine release for the lucky few who snagged them, as well as for Imperator subscribers who will receive rental tokens for them in fulfillment of one of their perks. We also received a classified report containing official intel on the Vandal Void Bomber for the first time, with preliminary specs and images as well as a sobering tale of their apparent capabilities. 
As long as a Carrick and armed to the teeth, you may want bombers of your own to take on the Void. Ooh, take on the Void. Yeah, right? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the first sort of big ship, aside from the Banu Merchantman, that's uh, not of UEE origin. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty mean-looking machine there. It's got all kinds of spiky bits on it. It, it really reminds me of a, of a very large uh, spider. I want to squish it. <laughs> it makes me think of some of the uh, shadow ships from Babylon 5. Very spiky, very menacing, mysterious weaponry. We don't know what it is. Electron guns. I don't know what that's going to do. Well, there's a lot, of the, a lot of stuff we don't know about this, obviously. But, I mean, what I'd like to see was the unfortunate, unanticipated release of a certain data set <laughs> a couple weeks ago. I would like to see them pick up the pace of these sorts of work-in-progress type stuff, right? A, a lot of things got sent out into the wild in a not-quite-polished not state in a, you know early sort of look. I'd like to see them maybe focus on cleaning some of those things up and getting them out as, I mean, not official, but, you know, here's a work-in-progress, here's the direction we're taking with this to sort of set the record straight, if that's the way you want to say it. Say, here, well, you know, you got to look at sort of behind the curtains. This wasn't what we were really going for. Here's what these things are supposed to look like. Uh, and let us know this is sort of the official milestone look. You know, here we are today with this with this particular ship. Yeah, I agree. I, I have not looked at too much of that stuff, a few things, but it almost feels like choosing to be the good kids, you're being punished a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can see that. I, mean, I, I do feel reading between the lines that that may have pressed them to release this void update at least earlier, because I don't know that this was necessarily in the cards. I, I don't see it as forcing their hand so much as giving the customers what they apparently want. I mean, we do want to see things happening behind the scenes. Right. Chris has always insisted that any sort of release of stuff come with some bit of in-fiction excuse or reason for why we're seeing these things now that we're seeing them. You know, this early spotting, you know, fragmentary report from a long-range patrol. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Do a bunch of those. Leaked classified document for the F-8 Lightning, right? I mean, I'll confess I went looking for that one because I was curious about it. Stuff like that, I think, that'll cover you as far as the in-fiction stuff. But I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, look, the stuff's out there in the wild. We didn't want you to see it like that. Let's bring you guys up to speed for what we intended for you guys to see at some point. And we might as well just do that now because we're not going to be able to play any of these things until we get the whole first-person shooter module thing ironed out. So we might as well entertain you with some of, some of this other stuff that we've got going. But now it's time for news we didn't use. The June subscriber player Avenger model is now available in your hangars. Meet the CIG devs episode 29 featuring Matt Sherman, technical designer at CIG. Booty call, a score to settle. That'll teach Armis for killing Tasha Yar. Wait, wrong universe. And we'd also like to wish Around the Verse a very happy one-year anniversary. Huzzah! Oh. Hey, Ben, as it's your birthday, can we get party hats in Star Marine? The feature you have listed to me will definitely be happening. Cool! And this week's community question. Which kind of large ship combat would you like to see? Submarines or tall ships? 
Or are you just hoping for a screen door on your battleship? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's get into some hijinks and tomfoolery in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Hello. This is Napier of Napier's Novelties. I sure do have some deals for you. No joke. Hey, uh, what kind of deals do we have, Mr. Wren? Yeah, like uh, what kind of deals? Oh, we have a special treat for all you folks out there who like to pull little tricks and pranks on people. The Joker Bomb. <laughs> a little trick, ah, yeah. Yeah, a prank, that's a good one, boss. These fun little bombs put out a distress signal that might be impossible to tell apart from a real one. Like this. I've fallen, and I can't get up! Uh, hey, ain't we gonna help her up? Yeah, that was the fake distress call, you dolt! These bombs have two settings. There's the joy buzzer, as I like to call it at least. When your target gets close enough, zap! Yeah, it takes the systems right offline! And then it goes in and, and take what you want! That's right. There's also the other setting, the big chuckle, as I like to call it. This one packs a real punch. Once in range, pow! Uh, yikes, you scared me there, boss. Explosive damage, but but who would come when they hear the distress call? Does it matter? As long as they have something worth having. Of course, if there are too many goody two mag boots around, use this to turn their search and rescue into search and miscue. <laughs> That's a good one, boss. Hey, uh, where is the best place to... Put one of these balls of fun of yours, Mr. Wren. Oh, anywhere might work, but somewhere in debris where it'll be hard to move around. Or around some asteroids. Of course, be ready to go in yourself if the bomb doesn't finish them off in one blow. You just be careful you don't run into something and become part of the joke yourself. Wow, that was a good one. Yes, indeed. I never knew you had it in you. On that note, come to Napier's Novelties. You'll have a blast. Some say Sasquatch have grainy pictures of him, and that Wendigo whisper of him over campfires, but all we know is he's cold to shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Last week's community question was all about our lower your standards moment, and wondering if that was nigh. Snowman wrote in, If I may be so bold, I will paraphrase what Da Vinci may have said as he was working on The Last Supper. Do you want it done now? Okay, I, uh, I'll use the egg yolk lacquer. Now the masterpiece is almost gone. Osteron writes in and says, Good show. The bloopers section should probably be prefaced with Tony's ablib attempts going forward. First off, we know that Chris Roberts is not going to significantly back down on his end vision for Star Citizen. So releasing less feature complete modules seems like it would be just a stopgap solution that will delay the complete release even further. If something they wanted to do is flat out impossible, fine but nothing's indicated that's the case yet. Most major MMOs took five years of development, even genre pioneers like EVE and WoW. Star Citizen is in year three, and they're trying to do a lot more than either of the above games. I'm nowhere near worried yet. 
Regarding the lack of communication, as Chris is out of the country, the big producer managers are in charge. And the big producers are notorious for not telling anyone the ship is sinking until the people are treading water in their cabins. Even with CIG's open development culture, old habits die hard. I suspect that's the reason we don't have any more transparency about the delay. So Yeldian sent in some feedback longer than the show notes, and it starts off with, Tony, you're wrong. Oh, what a, what a surprise. The new damage states will not reduce the quality. On the contrary, they have added squibs, a term to mean low explosive device designed to detonate at a timed or specific event, that will detonate and subsequently send flying the appropriate pieces that will spawn as an event when said squib is activated. This reduces the amount of data they need to pack into each ship model that makes the damage dynamic. If anything, the dynamic aspect will add so much more variety to damage with the added benefit of salvage. On the FPS delay, I actually thought you guys had a great critique on the current state of things and didn't see it as down in the dumps at all. Surprisingly, Geoff was the most positive of you all. That aside, I did appreciate Travis's attempt at giving us the 50,000-foot view and their proposed rollout, even though he didn't go into details. Lastly, community question. No! Absolutely not. I can't believe you even brought this up, frankly. No one wants another half-baked attempt at a space sim. I don't care if it takes them till 2020. If there's one thing I can appreciate about CIG is that they're challenging every gaming paradigm and rethinking the norms. Stretching everyone's imagination by saying, well, why can't we do X? It's never been done before. Yeah, but that's what Chris wants. Okay, let's figure it out. This is not just a game, it's an experiment. We as a community must give them room to work. Everyone go play ED and relax. The best is yet to come. Tumblr wrote, I don't think rollback is the right word, but I think the priority right now needs to be Squadron 42. I want that to ship at the end of the year and be a AAA $60 experience. It doesn't feel like that's the priority right now. I think they need at least another year after that launches before we get a persistent universe in alpha form. So I want to see them talking about Squadron 42. The motion capture stuff is Squadron 42 content, so maybe I'm seeing it already. It doesn't feel like it if so. Urs Reddit took a look at Saladin's feedback and tried to one-up him, but Hanley includes a too-long-didn't-read. I love the show and hope Chris Robert releases the game he wants when it's ready and continues development for years ahead. The game will be later than we like, but sooner than we expect, and I think we might all just like it. Peter writes in and says, Man, I'm only halfway through and I'm already down. Your show could be at least a little more than being just downcast. I was happy to hear Jeff, at least the sober sane guy with a little experience and the right expectations. He's certainly not the grumpy one anymore. <laughs> I should have made sure Jeff had his Metamucil. We try not to get too down, but we, we got a couple letters about it. We don't want a rollback. We'd like them to either acknowledge the fact that they're behind, which is expected. Like we said last week, Ken Shadow said, add three to six months to anything they tell you on a schedule. That's fine. Acknowledge that you're behind. Acknowledge that we need to reset our expectations or adjust them and then give us some new expectations. If you have to disappoint us again later, okay. But at least acknowledge the fact that the deadlines are missed. They're going to continue to be missed, and they will continue to be missed for approximately X much longer. And we might even need additional time on top of that because what we've done is rip the guts out from behind the game. And that created, as I was saying earlier in the show, a number of dependencies that get crunched. Help us out here. And and that's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, and I think we're in a little bit of a catch-22 because the bread and circuses that we had, that is to say playing Arena Commander, is pretty tough right now. Yeah. So there's not as much to distract us. We said several times during last episode that we were not down on the game. What our show is about is to really, you know, take our experiences and our knowledge about what we've been through in our in the course of our lives and playing the games that we played and kind of breaking this down and how we see it 
for our listeners. And we may not be spot on, but at least we have something to say about what's happening. And, you know, if we're not right, we're not right. Right. It, yeah. We, we, I've said many times, like Jeff's saying, we see ourselves, or I see myself at least, and I think the, the other guys agree with me. You tell me if you disagree with me. We see ourselves as kind of like, you know, performing a, a service or a role that a crowdfunding model does not have, sort of by design. But any sort of organization needs to have someone, an outsider, looking in saying, why'd you do it that way? Could we do this better? Is there some other way that we can meet our stated goals with the resources we have? Is there a better way to do what you're doing now? Do we need to bring in additional resources? You know, there's got to be somebody that does that. And whether it's a game or a company or planning your high school reunion or just anything, you know, you got to have somebody on the outside going, is this really the best we can do? Could we do this a little differently or better? Like I said, we're hoping they can get unstuck, hoping that we see the first-person shooter module, Star Marine, come out sooner rather than later. We don't want it dumbed down, but we do want it tuned appropriately so that it can be released in roughly the timeline that they've already advertised. And if they can't do it, that's fine. Just tell us why and tell us what the new timeline is. You know, I don't know that I always need a, a, a strict timeline. And I don't know how, I mean, when you say timeline, Tony, I'm not even sure that you're asking for a strict timeline no, either. No, It's good to hear that we're going to be delayed three months or we're going to be delayed yeah. a month. Yes. You know, without really putting a nail on the head, so to speak. No, no. Everybody goes first quarter 2016. That's fine. Give me a quarter. Give me a half. I'm okay with that. Say that, take whatever we had and add three to six months, like Ken Shadow says. Okay, that's fine. Uh, that's, that's, that's okay with me. What I'd rather hear is, rather than a timeline, I'd rather hear, these are the difficulties that rewriting our backend has cropped up. It's caused this problem in this module. It's caused this dependency to fail in this module. These two th problems together has caused a knock-on effect in this module here. That presentation, that analysis, that you know, that a factual situation exists somewhere within the CIG structure at this point. Someone's done that job. Someone's done that thinking. Redact it a little bit, clean it up, make it for public consumption. Let us know. We don't have to know all the gory details. We don't want to know all the gory details. That's their job, their management. I don't want to know all that. Okay, Travis Day gave us a 50,000 foot view. Give me the 100,000 foot view. I'll settle for that. But, but give us something. All right. Uh, now for general feedback. First, first problem said, noise. Hey, and thanks for the friend invite on Steam. I took it and said, all right, I got a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Newboy wrote, wonderful show, everyone. That's a fellow with taste. Jethro E7 says, enjoy following Guard Frequency. Can anybody recommend the best freeware software for adding podcasts to where it automatically downloads them and puts them in a directory for me in a PC? I also convert YouTube clips to MP3, but I have yet to see any new software that tracks new YouTube episodes and converts them and adds them. Wouldn't that be nice? Do you guys use uh, free freeware uh, podcast catchers? I have an iPhone, so that's what I use. So Yeah, same here. Yeah. Jeff, do you? Android or Windows. I mean, either one of them got podcast catchers. But you don't. Oh, I know you don't. You don't even listen to our show. That's right. I, I create the show. I don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, Jethro, I'm very sorry. We cannot help you. The guy that probably could help you, Lennon, is not here this week. So, you're just basically SOL. Sorry, buddy. Preston Evans, with as much as you guys say you love this project, you are doing your best to keep this thing in development and may not even know it. To apply Heisenberg uncertainty principle, the more precise you try to make the release date of a module, the more erratic is its level of completion. 
The more complete you want the module, the more the date shifts around. Cut it out for crying out loud. We forgot the Heisenberg uncertainty principle of game development. Oh, oh man, that always trips us up. Jace, you're from the Star Trek podcast. Do you have an Heisenberg uncertainty compensator handy? You know, I left them all at the Starbase. Oh, God, where's Chief O'Brien when you need him? Dang it. Yeah, it's tier five now. You guys missed out. Sweet. You guys got all the gizmos then. Yeah, gadgets too. Krell said, I was out of town last week on vacation, so this feedback is a little late. Trying to catch up on all the Star Citizen news I missed is exhausting. Also, my manager wants me to do some work for some reason. Your community question was dumb, so I'm going to answer the one you should have asked instead. The idea that you should have to buy multiple copies of the same ship in order to use it for different roles is one that I'm absolutely opposed to. Originally, CIG seemed to be going with the idea that each ship would have a base model, a couple variations that only differed from the base model by equipment, like the 300, 315, and 325, and one unique model, like the Aurora LN, the 350, the Super Hornet. They left this model in the dust with the release of the Constellation and Cutlass variants, and in both cases there have been huge threads on the forums. At the moment, each variant of the Constellation is a unique hull. There have been some hopeful signs with the discussion of modularity that perhaps they're rethinking this, but the news that they're looking at two base hulls for the Reliant is not particularly promising. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that just from a from a sales perspective, if you're looking for the completionists out there, haha, We'll throw back to the, the name of the package for $15,000. The, the completionists out there, they'll, they'll have to catch them all. And from a business side of it, having two models for each baseline makes sense from that side. I think maybe that the two models on each ship is what we're going to see. Hopefully the modules will switch back and forth like we had talked about. Maybe with just, you know, this one will only take a size 3, this one will have a size 4, but you're missing out on feature X if you have the bigger, you know, size availability. Hopefully that all kind of gets played out and worked out. I'm sure that we'll eventually be privy to what their thinking is on, on that kind of a scale hopefully have some opportunity to comment on it and change their minds where we find it appropriate to do so. But I really think that's the writing's on the wall, that that is what's going to happen. Unfortunately, you're probably right, Tony, because I just bought my Cutlass Red, so. Yeah. (laughs) All right, all right, so we got our ambulance guy. Boone O'Shell says, hey, look, LaGrange Point 4. Uh, He tweeted us that the Discover solar monitoring satellite has reached its final orbit at Lagrange Point 1, but uh, it included a handy diagram of the five Lagrange points between the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun. So, yes, indeed, there are five Lagrange points, and we'll be sending out a scout party to look for our missing pilot at Lagrange Point 4. Okay, I don't read kanji, but uh, nice try. Oh, oh, I I do. Let me see if I can work that out. uh, see, those Chinese symbols mean uh, KJL Taiwan. <laughs> you did that on purpose. He did. He really did. <laughs> Love the disclaimers all over the Stack Brothers sketch in this week's Nuggets segment. Keep it up. Smiley face. Ken from Chicago wrote, Well, look what Star Citizen's next great starship inspired at NASA. Coincidence, Robert Space Industries? And he gave us a link to the headline, NASA lifting off to building America's next great rocket. Sort of a starship, like a local one, like a star bus, star taxi. <laughs> star cab. Star cab, yeah. Phoenix Roleplaying writes in to say, guess who's going to CitizenCon? Hashtag advantages of being British. And guess who missed out on CitizenCon tickets? 
the guy that handcuffed himself to a badger this weekend couldn't show up for work. <laughs> wah, wah. Freedom wrote in at Lennon Rich. Much better. Hashtag where the f*** is the FPS. Hashtag ambush. Hashtag star citizen. He did catch everybody by surprise last week. Sneaky Brit. Our new Patreon this week is Robbie O'Brien. Push just over $50 an episode. Unlocking patches. We do, in fact, good sir, need stinking patches. Our winner is Mark Levine. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. And we are, in fact, uh, knee-deep in production of the patches here. We've got our test art fixed up. Uh, we've sent some feedback to the artist. We're going to get some mock-ups done hopefully this week. And we, I think we've got a patch producer picked out. And so we'll get those uh, off and running to you guys. And uh, we'll see what we can get. And this week's community question. What kind of large ship combat would you like to see? Submarines or tall ships? Or are you just hoping for a screen door on your battleship? Either way, send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So how was the show? Did we get a blaze going to roast weenies in minutes and make s'mores, or do we need to use more kindling and stack the wood so it can breathe? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on the episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. And you can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 76 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 77 on June 23rd. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in our show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One. We cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording at our new time around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays, 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our guest host, Jace from Priority One. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Well, you know, the whole thing about, um, you know, mass 
uh, velocity plus mass equal, what is it? Uh, velocity plus mass equal what? What? Help me out here, Tony. <laughs> oh, oh, I was going to say, yeah, so um, physics, right? Uh, one half right, mv right. squared equals one half yeah. mv squared. Yeah, yeah, that. The, th- the second thing that caught our attention was from Citizen Mazello. Mazlo. There's even a Mazelo. thing there. Is it Mazlo? I know. <laughs> Shut up. I'm the only I, Hey, I I am the personality that screws up the name. Oh, okay. So let me oh, just oh, you're, be you're the right. You're right. Right. The second thing that caught our attention was from Citizen Mazlo. <laughs> I was even going to say it right, and I screwed it up. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. Okay, let me just slow down. Okay, Lennon, this is for you. I'm sure the banana hammock will be one of the first things that they model. No, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Now you're but giving I them think... ideas for ship names. <laughs> <laughs> the SS banana hammock? Oh, that'll be fantastic. <laughs> Welcome aboard, ladies. Welcome aboard the banana hammock. And this week's community question is, will you be willing to be Jeff's friend in the social module? <laughs> no, 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 no. He doesn't want any <laughs> friends, Jace. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's yeah, yeah. People will ask to be his friend. He can't handle. He can't handle that. You'll have a blast. <laughs> All right, we'll yeah, go and stop. Right yeah, there. you'll have a blast. Whatever. Don't think about it. Feedback and closing. Sync one. This is Tony, and I'm reading the thing for the shiv, and it doesn't make any sense to me. You guys go ahead and do the syncing, and I'll try to figure it out. No one disagreed with me, so I'm Hitler. Yes! Preston Evans go, says, Jeff. with as much go, as you got... Jeff, go. Jeff, go. Jeff. <laughs> go, Jeff. Jeff, go. Press... <laughs> yes! Got him! <laughs> oh, man. Redacted, 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 redacted. 